Hi, this is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Remember that you can find us on Facebook where we post our upcoming guests as well as our previously recorded programs. Our guest this week is David Leventhal of Playa Viva. In just a moment, David is going to be with us and tell us all about what he is up to. Also, I need to tell you about our email, which is heartstockradio at gmail.com. We are always looking for guests who are using business as a force for good on the planet. In just a moment, David will be with us. We'll be back. Thanks so much. This is Heartstock. Hi, again, this is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Our guest this week is David Leventhal. He is the founder of Regenerative Travel and Playa Viva. Hi, David. Hey, Carol. Thank you so much for being on Heartstock. Can you give well, our... Well, thank you for having me as your guest. I most appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Can you give our listeners just a little intro here as to what it is that you do at Regenerative Travel and Playa Viva? Playa Viva is a sustainable, regenerative boutique hotel located in Mexico on the Pacific Coast. It is an eco-luxury property that still is trying to be affordable and at the same time make a positive impact on all the stakeholders, so the guests, the community, the environment, and then regenerative travel is a collection of hotels like Playa Viva. Guests who stayed with us would ask us, Playa Viva's ruined me. Uh, it checks all my boxes, even boxes I didn't know I had, and now I can't go anywhere else. Where are the other Playa Vivas of the world? And that was the genesis for uh, regenerative travel. So Playa Viva came first, it sounds like? Oh, yes. Playa Viva was first. Although before that, my wife and I and I bought a little piece of property in Mexico, did a bed and breakfast. And based on the success of that little property, we ended up buying what went from a quarter of an acre to 200 acres and what was 80 meters of beachfront to 1.3 kilometers of beachfront. So they're, they're different scales, but still attempting to do the same thing. Playa Viva gives us more of an opportunity to make an impact by scale and within the community that, that we're connected to. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you have uh, an interesting story. How did about- we end up in Mexico? How did we end up in Mexico? Is well, kind of the question. And, and doing regenerative travel as, sure. you know, kind of a, a general category. What led you down this path, David? Well, deep background, uh, while I was born in North Carolina, I grew up in Mexico City and so really had a, had a connection to the culture there and the people and place. Moved back to North Carolina, went to school at Chapel Hill, 
uh, worked my way uh, in the restaurant uh, business, waiter, busboy, dishwasher, cook, the whole thing, to really pay for my college education. So I, that really is a background in hospitality, but not really trained in hotelier or anything like that. My first venture was in video production. So my background really is in media and technology, more so on the customer facing side, sales, business development than anything else. And really fell into hospitality. Much of it came from connection with my wife. Her mother, my mother-in-law is a big environmentalist in Mexico doing big projects like stopping dams from being built on rivers or keeping city parks from being taken over and turned into a big commercial retail space. A big project of hers is saving GMO corn not going into Mexico, which is a cradle of corn, has been successful fighting Monsanto now a buyer from there from that, that happening. So a, a lot of the values around environmentalism came through um, my wife and her family. And then we did a, a Jaguar Reserve project in the, an area called Calakmul, which is Mexico, Yucatan, bordering up with Guatemala in saving Jaguar habitat and setting up a conservation easement. And that work really led us uh, to realize that really all environmental impact work really involves a human or community impact component to it because all stresses on the environment are really people's needs on the resources within that environment. And if you just try to solve the environment issue without trying to deal with the human issues, you're never going to really solve them. And so that really led us down a much more holistic and whole systems approach to how to do impact work. And then I would say the other major influence for me would be my involvement in a group called Social Venture Network, now Social Venture Circle, and really being inspired by so many other business folks who are doing amazing, impactful work in their own individual communities and the mentors that I was able to achieve from groups like that. And then that eventually led into doing more work and with B Corps and, and impact assets and impact and slow money and those types of things. So it's a long and windy road, but I guess that's the way it is when you're my age. Indeed. And it's always fascinating because you're fairly common in that a lot of the folks that we talk with, they end up doing a, a social venture or um, enterprise in a field outside of where their primary focus initially or training was. So I, I find it very fascinating. So kind of to give us a little history of, of where you're at right now with your endeavor. Um, it sounds like you started out very small and then you expanded. When did that expansion happen? Well, I, you know, I'm all for iterative development. It's interesting, you know, we're now in the age of COVID and when Playa Viva first opened, this was 2008. So H1N1 and the last influenza hit Mexico. Tourism was down by 50%. And we started out with, believe it or not, five rooms. We converted what were model homes where we were going to sell fractional ownership of homes along the beach and said, well, that ain't happening because the economic collapse happened at the same time. So people were losing their second, third homes. They were definitely not going to be investing. So the, it's interesting to be running a business that's been bookended by that. I mean, we 
Flyview definitely grew from the initial five rooms. We obtained funding from Conservation International, Verde Ventures, and Root Capital to add additional rooms, went to eight. Additionally, got some additional funding and then grew to 12 rooms and started doing more work around groups and group activities, yoga, retreats, meditation, personal development, those kinds of things. So yeah, it's definitely been an iterative development growth with Playa Viva. We were about to expand and add six new triages because in our last growth phase, we did a triage. It's just been tremendous for us. And that triage was really part of the original regenerative design for Playa Viva back in 2008. So, you know, part of us running as a regenerative design organization is really to grow iteratively and grow uh, along with the natural cycle of nature that is put in front of us. As far as regenerative resorts and regenerative travel, well, it's interesting because that organization over the last three years has grown from initial one, two hotels, six hotels, about 12 hotels. Now we're up to close to 50 hotels. But international travel to those destinations has gone down significantly, yet the ability for hotels to see the value of being part of a network of peers has skyrocketed at the same time. So we're, we're definitely seeing growth on the supply side of regenerative travel and, and adding wonderful properties. Mm-hmm. And at what point or what stage of growth or development was Playa Viva in when you decided that regenerative travel was also something that you needed to add? You know, it's interesting. I, I look back, I think one of the first versions of the logo of regenerative travel regenerative resorts was back in 2012, 2013. So that project really has been in incubation for a long time. I think the importance for a lot of businesses, you know, whether it's impact or not, and hopefully it is impact, is timing, just market timing. (laughs) You know, so many people, when I first proffered the idea of of regenerative resorts, regenerative travel, couldn't even say the word regenerative. But now you see it more and more. So it came on early and it came on because of the demand of our guests. Our guests were asking us, where are the other playgivers of the world? And that's something that we really weren't in a position to answer, but knew that there was demand for that. And that's really grown over time. And it's evolved uh, from its original ideas to some, you know, the added value that we're bringing to the cohort of hotels that are part of that. And the best part is really the excitement that we get from the marketplace that are so happy to find something like this, like that it really, that, you know, I think the part of the issue is, is, and I go back to that customer demand, is it's really hard to find hotels like Playa Viva. But once you find them, you want more just like that. And I think with any business, if there is a lot of friction to find what you are and you can take the friction out of the marketplace and create some efficiency there, then you've created something of value. So we're going to take our midway point break here.
And we're back with David Leventhal of Playa Viva in Regenerative Travel. Hi again, David. Hey, Carol. How are you? Good, good. So can you just explain for our listeners how your website at Regenerative Travel functions and, you know, what it is that they can do for themselves there? Sure. For folks coming to Regenerative Travel, the real key is helping them find a vacation that meets their values. That's really our motto, where your vacation meets your values. And these are values around creating a positive impact wherever you go. And so it's finding hotels that come from hotel owners who share those same values and are driven throughout this, the entire stakeholder network, from the traveler to the community to the environment and everything in between. And so that really is what we hope folks will find when they come to regenerative travel. Now, part of it is not just a hotel, because if you're going to Colombia, well, you may want to go to Medellin or Bogota, and then you may want to go to the coffee country, and obviously you got to go to Cartagena. So there we've developed a set of itineraries around the entire stay to a country or visit to a country. And then what are some of the restaurants that are farm to table and doing local uh, modern renditions of recipes and shops that have great crafts folks doing, you know, beautiful work. So how can we create a wonderful travel experience that is creating impact, not just from the hotel and the property, but throughout the entire travel experience? And you mentioned a little earlier your treehouse and regenerative design. What are some of the key features of your resort and some of the other ones that you're working with, your partners? Yeah, so great question. And, you know, what is it that makes a property regenerative? And starting with Playa Viva, because you asked about that, for us, regenerative design started with creating a set of core values or core principles. We set out five initial core values around creating a better water, energy, waste management systems and transparency around that. But then it was creating transformational experiences, creating meaningful community and promoting biodiversity and then creating a living legacy. So once you create a set of core values, how do those core values translate to the entire experience? The other part of regenerative design is doing a deep history of place. When we started building Bill Reed, who is the uh, regenerative designer with us, our initial discussion, I said, you know, whenever you're building, you're destroying. And, and what Bill came back with was if you do a history of place and you understand how that place got to be how it is, and in most cases, humans have been on that land or have touched it and degraded it in some form or fashion then you can understand your role as stewards in bringing back the abundance that once was there. So really understanding history of place and your role as stewards and finding properties where the owners share those same values for stewardship and for honoring place. I mean, one of the things that you see with a lot of properties, you know, even in Mexico where I am is you'll see Bali on the beach. It's like, if you want to go to Bali, go to Bali. You want to go to Mexico, go to Mexico. And, and so we really look for properties that honor place and honor the people of that place. And I think the other part of that really is co-evolution. 
this is how Bill describes it. You know, once we put the hotel there, we are not an enclave shut off from the rest of the environment of the community. On the contrary, we are a leader in that. And what is our role and responsibility in cleaning up the watershed that's delivering water to where we are on the beach, cleaning up the beach, being involved in species protection, being involved in regenerating the mangrove system, being involved with the community and improving education and teaching English so folks there who learn English can get higher paid jobs, supporting kids who can't go to school. And, you know, there's so many things that we can do in understanding the community and co-evolving with them. And so that's another part of what we look for, not just in the work we do apply Viva, but in the properties that we like to associate with. So, you know, it's in looking at regenerative resorts and the hotels that are listed under regenerative travel, that was really what we looked for first. What are the values of the people behind it? And then that would drive the rest. And so much about regeneration is aspirational. You can always be more green. You can always be more sustainable. You can always be more regenerative. But as long as you were committed to that path of constant co-evolution improvement. And you mentioned transformational experiences that you wanted to provide for your guests. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And you know what, what for you constitutes a transformational experience? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a big debate. Like, you know, because words like transformational or experiential travel or impact, you know, they can be just buzzwords. What do they really mean? And, you know, from our standpoint, as we discussed through it, it was transformation could be as simple as you were hard at work, you got to Play Viva and, you know, you see people as they arrive and they're, they're just, they're wearing different their work clothes and their their phones and electronics are just spilling out of their pockets. And two days later, this is what a guest told me. You can just see it in their eyes. What what one guest called the Playa Valium has kicked in. And that's kind of one simple layer of transformation that you went from work mode to complete relaxed mode. But then there are other layers that, you know, fit in there. One would be Playa is immersed in nature. And so how is nature and being immersed in it transform you and change you? You are so much more aware of the lunar cycles and, you know, where you are when you're at Playa Viva uh, than anywhere else. And so another part of what we do is we work with our guests to get them to integrate with various levels of community. This is where transformational experiences meet with creating meaningful community. So prior to COVID, many of our meals were eaten in communal style. So people who came to the table got to meet each other. And then they would go out into the community and go to the school and meet the kids related to the staff and engage with the staff. They'd go out to the farm and see where many of the food would come. And so at each one of those stages, there is some transformation, whether it's a kid going, I didn't know that pineapples grew on, you know, bushes like that to, you know, picking their own vegetables, making their own salads. It's how they interact with themselves and nature that creates a lot of those transformational experiences. But at the end of their stay at Playa Viva, one of the things we see is, you know, guests hugging the staff before they go and wanting to take pictures with the staff. And 
that really to us shows how, you know, I don't think people who come to a hotel like ours expect that as a departure experience. And that to us also is part of that transformation, connecting to people and place. Yeah. And you mentioned being immersed in nature. And I know for a lot of folks, there are many layers to that. Just what do you anticipate or what do you hope that guests will leave with by this connection with nature? I'd say the best answer to that is our, our, we have Wi-Fi there because we understand that it's important for people to stay connected, to know that, you know, there's nothing life-threatening that they have to get back to so they can get back to their life and enjoy it on the beach. But the password key to our Wi-Fi is disconnect to reconnect. And that's really the theme, how to provide space and an environment and time for people to allow themselves to disconnect from the things they think keep them connected and then realize how much more connected they are once they do disconnect from those things to the things that are really important to them. And we, we do a photo, photo contest every year, and I get photos from guests. And you think every picture they could possibly take in a private has already been taken. And then you get a picture, and you go, wow. And, you know, one of those pictures was of a mom laying in a hammock with her son laying on her chest. That moment is what you want to create. You see, you know, I've had full-grown adults release baby turtles at Plyve even turn around to me and go, that's been a life-changing experience. And, you know, I've seen that thousands of times that I'm almost immune to it. But to see that that simple event where the baby turtle knows exactly where to go and rushes to the ocean and how that can create a life-changing event for somebody because they were connected to that natural experience and we provided it, you know, we try to do that in hundreds of other little ways. Mm-hmm. And also, I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about your investors. For a large part of the companies that I talk to who are in startup mode, this is a, a huge hurdle. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom for those out there listening who may be trying to raise capital? Well, I think like any business, there's that triple bottom line. Whatever we're doing, it's got to be good for the environment, good for the community, and good for business. Because if it's not good for business and return on capital, then it's not going to be sustainable in the long term for the environment or for the people. So I I think the core to any business is make sure you do have a good business model underneath it all. So from Playa Viva's standpoint, we were lucky early on to be able to bring in some friends and family money to fund the initial development of the the model homes. We were able to show that our business model resonated enough with folks and we had enough repeat business to then go out and get funding from Conservation National Verde Ventures and from Root Capital. This was uh, debt, so it was a loan. But again, we could demonstrate that the business could support a small loan. 
And then from there, we were able to show again the scale and that we could grow to the next to the next level and, and pay off the debt. So from an investor standpoint, I think it's like anything else. You want to also find folks who are aligned with you and understand your vision and believe in it. So, you know, this is where as we reach out to do the next phase of investment, many of our repeat guests have asked us, hey, how can I invest? Can I be part of it? So that's been we've been very lucky to have that. Yes. And was that, uh, I don't know, on, on a scale of one to 10, how difficult was it for you? It sounds, you make it sound like it was fairly easy just because you had that initial test of the smaller resort. So on a scale of one to 10, I, I think raising money is going to be 10 for everybody at any time. Mm. You know, it's very, very difficult. And if you think it's going to be easy, Forget about it. I think that a lot of it's just luck and also talking to enough people. So from the, you know, friends and family round, I think we were lucky in the sense that we had invested in other people's projects and they were trusted us and willing to support us on that initial project. The amount of work that went into Verde Ventures and New Capital, there was a lot of work in providing business plans and support for the impact that we're doing. We had to go through gear certification. There was a lot of things that we had to do there. Um, so there's a lot of work involved in that. And the next phase, again, it's it's identifying sources of capital that line up with what you do. So, you know, I've spent a lot of time going to conferences like SOCAP and working with organizations like SVN and developing relationships so that when we're ready to get our next level of funding, that we could go to those relationships and say, okay, here's what we're looking for. And in this next phase, it was debt capital uh, in this range. It was like $2 million and find out who would do it. Cause there's only so many people that are going to invest overseas in Mexico, in tourism, in that price range, but there are people in that space. So it, it takes a lot of homework, but you know, we were able to also put together the two pager. Actually, in our case, it was five pages because it talked about the impact and the 10 years of history that we have and the growth that we have in the business as far as growth in revenues to then justify going out and having and doing the ask and, and getting the ask. We've got about two minutes left and I was hoping that um, you could touch upon the whole issue with COVID's impact yeah. and going forward. I mean, uh, many folks that I'm talking to are framing it in a way of this being a, a, a chance to make ourselves better. How How is yeah. COVID making your enterprise better or even you personally? Yeah, uh, interesting question. And it's, I wrote an essay about this for Regenerative Travel's blog on the topic on the subline was uh, resilience and what we learned about regeneration from COVID. And for me, there are a couple of key elements I've learned. One is to build resiliency into our system. And that's not just about making sure you have more dry powder. It was about diversifying our base of customers where we're getting a lot of international customers. How do we become more domestic and Mexican in those customers? Or even diversify our revenue base. Five Evo was a farm before we took it over and turned it into a hotel. 
but the farm is still operational. So how do we pivot and get more diversity in our food production and, and the and production of other raw materials coming out of the farm to support it and to create a much more diverse base so we're not just relying on, on hospitality. I think another big issue is what I call planning preparation and discipline deployment. You know, you look at how some countries in Asia, for example, dealt with COVID different than other countries like the United States. And much of it was in having a plan that if this comes, how to deal with it, to have the materials, the PPE, the testing kits, the testing system all in place, and then being disciplined about how that's implemented. And so you know, we need to have those planning preparation and discipline deployment in place for other things that we do as we go forward. The other one is flexibility, reallocation, and pivoting. I mean, I think you see this in a lot of the feel-good stories about this company that used to make this product but pivoted and is now making shields or is making ventilators or is making masks. It's the ability to pivot. You know, you look in your own neighborhood and which restaurants were able to kind of bounce back and do takeout versus others that just shut down and didn't know how to pivot. So I think that was, you know, an interesting and important thing for us as a business to be able to do. And I think the other thing to consider is, you know, I tell our team, COVID is really just a dress rehearsal for the adaptations we're going to have to make related to climate change. So be ready yes. and apply those those same lessons learned. And how might our listeners find you if they w- would like to learn more or carry on this conversation, David? They can look for Playa Viva and they can look for regenerative travel, uh, playaviva.com and regenerativetravel.com as well. And, uh, I'd love to make a shout out to my partner with Regenerative Travel, Amanda Ho, who does a great job in, in holding down the fort. It's wonderful to have uh, women of color, minorities uh, involved in the day-to-day implementation of our company and empowering women and, and, and diversity within the work that we do. And I'm really proud that we're able to do that. Mm. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for being on Heartstock. Carol, thank you. Wonderful questions. Great to participate. Thank you. And this is Heartstock. Uh, we will see you again next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our live programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. Time with me.